There's a meme that's come across my um, Instagram feed a few times this past week. Maybe some of you have seen something to this effect. It says, what a year this week has been. <laughs> and it's come across my feed several times over the past year and a half. It's been a rough week. Um, it's been a rough few weeks. It's been a rough few months. This week, um, sort of holding the, the things of our world, the natural disasters, the political upheavals, the things that are always riding there, the, the climate concerns, the uncertainty that we've sort of figured out how to live with, but that has been amped up a little bit lately in terms of COVID and what our world looks like as we live through a pandemic. A disappointment in seeing the decisions some are making and others are not making, even just trying to navigate as we do gather together, as we are sensitive to each other. Well, do you feel comfortable with this? How should we do this? Should we do that? Do we mass on? Are we mass off? All of that. I found myself many times holding my breath as I went to scroll through the news, sometimes relieved that there wasn't a new headline. And it was similar to the way I remember feeling at the beginning of pandemic, sort of hiding away in our home, trying to stay safe. I remember having this sense that like a dark cloud was gonna come and descend for a period of time. And then a few weeks later, it would clear out. And here we are. And the dark clouds come and go and they sometimes feel heavier and sometimes feel lighter. But it does seem that these days we are figuring out how to live amidst these times. How to be faithful in the midst of these times. Even the gospel this morning, as I was reading it this week, has the disciples saying, Jesus, this, is, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? What can we do with this? For the last several weeks, we've been hearing from John's gospel as Jesus has been talking about bread, and that he, the Christ, is the bread of life. That his body, that his blood, is meant for our nourishment. That as we abide in him and he abides in God, God abides in us. And we are all connected in this beautiful way. And it's difficult. Many of his disciples turn away and no longer follow him. This morning, though, we also get to hear a bit from Joshua's story in the Hebrew scriptures, written long, long before. This little excerpt that we heard, it's at the end of Joshua's life. Joshua is the person appointed after Moses to lead the people, to lead the people of Israel, to lead the people who God, through Moses, has saved from their horribly oppressed life in Egypt. Moses has helped them find some sense of liberation, but it's taken them some time to wander through the desert so they can start to shed all of that old life. And Moses, he's able to lead the people just to the verge of the promised land, of the new place they are going to live, of the new ways they are going to live. But because Moses is part of that old way of living, he's not able to go with them, and it is Joshua that steps into the position of leadership 
to be with the people, to lead the people into this new way of life with God. And the story is also a little bit rough because they enter this place where there were other people living in the way they thought God or the gods wanted them to live. There was a lot of destruction. There was a lot of death when it came to understanding how the gods work. Joshua has done his best with the people, and here he is at the end of his life. He's gathered the people, and he's offering them this moment to recommit Sort of like what we do every time we celebrate Eucharist together. Every time we celebrate baptism together. He's reminding them who they are. And he's reminding them that they have choice. Into how they choose to live. Into who they choose to put their trust in. To entrust their lives with. He says, you can, you can follow the gods of our ancestors in the past when we lived under Pharaoh in Egypt. You can follow the gods here in the promised land that the people, the Ammonites who live here, that they are following. Or you can follow the Lord. Now this word in the Hebrew scriptures, the word for God for, that is usually translated as Lord, is this mysterious word that we say something like, Yahweh. Yahweh. Which maybe has a little bit more to do with the way Jesus addresses God as his father by calling him Abba, Dad, Daddy. Joshua is inviting the people to entrust in Yahweh. It is Yahweh who chose the people in the first place. Joshua is reminding them of the pathway to freedom, to liberation, that Yahweh led them through. It is Yahweh that has been with them as they have wandered in the desert. It is Yahweh that has made sure they had what they needed. Food to eat when there was nothing to be had. Water to drink when the land was dry. It is Yahweh who offers the the commandments, the best ways to live, to love each other, to live in these particular ways of respecting each other, of remembering that we are connected. We are responsible for the choices we make because they affect not only us, but the people that we live with. Yahweh chose the people, and Joshua is reminding the people that it is up to them to choose Yahweh as well. When he says choose, it's um, the, the reflection this week in Connect talked about all the choices that we have in our lives. We're so privileged to have so many choices all throughout our days. And yet, what Joshua is inviting the people here today to do is to choose service. Who will we serve? Who will we live in service of? Of all the things that fight for attention in our lives, 
Where will we invest our time and our energy, our service? Ram Dass um, has this quote. He says, find something that needs help and help it. Then you work on yourself to make it a conscious act. As Gandhi has said, the act that you do may seem very insignificant, but it is important that you do it. Joshua reminds the people that God chose them, that Yahweh chose them, Yahweh came close to them. And Joshua says, for me and my household, this whole community that he leads, we choose to live in service of Yahweh. There's something about this word, Yahweh, that is deeply significant, I think, and meaningful in all of this. We're not exactly sure how to say Yahweh, but scholars think that God's name was meant to sound like the sound of breath. Yah, the way we breathe in. Way, the way we breathe out. That with every breath we take, we are naming God. We are, in a sense, choosing God. Choosing life and light and joy. The joy that comes with being in relationship with God. The people throughout our sacred stories, they have a hard time remembering to stay loyal. They have a hard time remembering to live and trusting in this way. That's why Jesus comes many years later. And that's why we have a church, a body of Christ, people, to help lean into, to help remind each other, to help lift us up, to help us remember what it means to live in service of God as we live in service of each other. My invitation to us as we are figuring out what it means to live in pandemic, as we are figuring out what it means to live in a world that still is breaking our hearts open, is to remember the sound of our breath. God is as close to us as the air, as the life, as the energy that we are breathing. This breath that is animating us, moving through us, this breath, this life that is moving through each other. God chooses us, and because of that, we are invited to trust in our choice in God. The other thing about the way God is spoken of in the Hebrew scriptures is this sense, it's not about an intellectual ascent. It's not about, I believe this intellectually with my mind, with my thinking. In the Hebrew understanding, it was about how we live, the actions that we take, the things that we do. As Gandhi reminds us, even the smallest things contribute to the world we would like to shape, to the world God is working to shape 
with us and through us. May we choose to breathe in God's love. May we choose to breathe out God's hope, God's light, God's healing, 